When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk postgame podcast. Browns beat the Lions 13 to 10. Doug Lane Reese with Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Lobby, Scott Patsko, and Ashley Bastock. Scott, you wanted to flush this game. I think we probably should talk about everything that happened in this win that I'm putting quotation marks around in context of what does it mean for what's ahead? Because I'm not sure they would have beaten another team in the NFL today, other than the lions playing their third string quarterback. That was not good, but they're six and five. They got the win. So we don't want to wallow. Can you wallow in victory? If you can, it might be happening right now, but Scott, is that is, is like take the W and then we're spinning forward. What does this tell us about the Browns for the future? Is that all right? If we do that, I, you take the W and I think my point is that like, there was nothing, there's nothing, nothing happened in this game that changes anything about the last month. And that's, yeah, that's bad, but you got the win. That's what you needed going into Baltimore. Now everything is focused on this next three weeks. So all the same issues kind of remain. We're not really sure where Baker Mayfield stands. We're, we're not really sure when this offense is going to get rolling. We don't know when key people are going to be back from injury yet, but they're six and five and that's not the worst place to be in the AFC right now. Um, and that's about as, as good as it's going to get. All right. Let's just jump into Baker. We don't exactly know what the deal is with Baker right now. We want to talk about the defense. We want to talk about the penalties. We want to talk about a bunch of different things here. But Baker Mayfield did not talk to the media after the game. I don't think the issue is did Baker talk to the media or not, right? It's not about us. Although we are the conduit to the fans. He's required to do it. He didn't do it. It's about what does it, why, right? Mary Kay, like, so what, what is that telling us? Listen, we don't really know exactly what's happening right now, but this was unusual. And as we record this at six o'clock on Sunday night, Mary Kay, we know that. And then we can try to figure out what does this unusual circumstance with the quarterback mean for the six and five Cleveland Browns as they try to put on a playoff push here. Yeah, you know what? I think it is just very significant. Now, I think probably what will happen when cooler heads prevail, uh, it will settle down. And, you know, by the time we talk to people again on Monday, we talk to uh, Kevin Stefanski tomorrow. And when we talk to Baker on Wednesday, I'm sure this will uh, become maybe much ado about nothing, sort of the way that the Miles Garrett flap from last week with Joe Woods kind of dissipated as the week went along, but it's not nothing. I'm sorry. It's not nothing. When your quarterback is walking off the field mad. Okay. Your quarterback walks off the field mad. He's the first player off the field. He doesn't celebrate with any of his teammates. He doesn't celebrate with the fans. We don't know why. Maybe it's something as simple as he is upset that he got booed. I don't know if that's it. Or, or not. We can't speculate. We don't know. But it is significant. 
Baker's never done this before. He has never shunned the media after a game. Win, lose, draw. He's always been there. And he's great in these situations. He's always been very, very good about facing the music. And, you know, he, he'll put the loss on his shoulders if he has to. I mean, this was a victory. That's why I feel that, you know, this was so unusual for him to do this. This is loss behavior, not victory behavior, right? And now, you know, now we see that uh, his, his wife, Emily, has screenshotted on her Instagram. I mean, she, she shared something about, you know, a fan talking about how nobody should ever say anything bad about Baker after this game. He showed a lot of toughness and maybe other people should too. Um, and that just kind of adds another layer to this, right? That adds another layer to it. Uh, something we didn't have to deal with 20 years ago in covering, uh, in covering sports, family members on social media. It's, uh, it's now a, a whole different ballgame. Uh, but this is significant and curious to hear all of your guys' thoughts on, on what you think that this means and where this could possibly lead to. So I would like to play a game called, if you were Baker Mayfield, would you be mad if? So that way we are not saying we think this is what Baker Mayfield is thinking. We are saying if we were Baker Mayfield, would we feel that way? Ashley Bastock, if you were Baker Mayfield and you had all these injuries and you were hurting and not able to play to your full potential and in a home game after you threw an interception, you heard some boos, would you be mad? Yes, I think I would. Um, I think it's one of those things. And again, we've talked about this so much already. Already, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse with the injuries. And maybe this is a separate conversation. But I think it's, you know, time to be said that if, if you are injured and you are playing, that is admirable. But at what point is it no longer helpful to yourself or to the team? And if he's so hurt that he looks like he did today you know, the last couple of weeks, then maybe that's a conversation that needs to be had internally and not just, you know, us talking as media members at this point. I mean, I do think like if I was a player, I would be upset if I knew I was going out there and playing when maybe I shouldn't be playing and fans booed me, but also there has to be some self-reflection there of then should I be playing and should I have played in that game this week, which again is a bigger topic of conversation to be had, I think. Dan Lobby. I have another scenario for you. If you were Baker Mayfield and in the last four drives of a win, you were one for seven passing for minus one yards. And with the game on the line, you basically turned into a handoff turnstile for Nick Chubb. Would you be mad? Be mad. Um, no, no, because. I hadn't played well the whole game. I mean, you, you've got to look at it. And like, I hadn't done anything to merit me being able to just sling the football around with, with, with the game on the line. I, I don't know. I, no, I don't think that's something. If you're mad that you get to turn and hand the ball off to Nick Chubb, I, I don't know. I don't think that's something to be mad about. Okay. Scott Patsko, if you were Baker Mayfield and you didn't have Odell Beckham Jr. and you didn't have Donovan Peoples-Jones and you didn't have Kareem Hunt and you didn't have Jack Conklin and you didn't have Anthony Schwartz and your best deep threat today was Jamarcus Bradley. And it's nobody's fault. Would you be mad at the world, at circumstance, 
at life that I can't believe I'm trying to do my job and I'm missing all these guys. No, you're asking me if I would be mad or if Baker would be mad. Either way, I don't. I don't if think you it's were justified. Baker. No, not not you, calm and cool, Scott Patsko. No. Chip on his shoulder, Baker Mayfield, <laughs> like me against the world, kind of Baker Mayfield. Yeah, be him. I, I'd like to think that he's not. No, I don't think that's justified in being upset about that. It's just, I mean, look, you spend every season, week after week, saying let's man up, and and uh, I don't think you, no matter what his receiving core looks like, and you know. Yeah, his numbers look really bad at the end of this game, but he made some good throws in this game. He made a really nice one to Jamarcus Bradley, made a big uh, third down throw to Richard Higgins, um, avoided the pressure, got the touchdown pass to Chubb. I mean, at the end, at the end, when you look at it, you know, the pass rating is bad. The completion percentage is bad, and it was largely because of that finish you mentioned. Um, I like We don't know why, if and why he's mad or, or what he might be mad about, but I'm sure it's just overall he probably feels that he didn't play well, but I don't, I don't know. I'd walk off the field knowing that I could do better, but we got the win and leave it at that. All right, Mary Kay Cabot, you've heard the three different scenarios that I could come up with. If you were Baker Mayfield, would you be mad, frustrated, upset in the moment, Kind of like, I just don't, I don't want to be around people. I don't want to talk. I've got to get myself calmed down, whatever. Is there any part of this that you think would, would make sense of this unusual circumstance here on Sunday? Well, first let me, I'd like to address the, you know, this guy's out and that guy's out and, you know, Jack Conklin and all these people. Um, The Ravens went into Chicago and won a football game today without their starting quarterback who they didn't know if he was going to play until game time. So no excuses, no excuses. You've still got uh, your three starting tight ends who are such a big part of this offense. You've got Jarvis Landry. You've got Nick Chubb, one of the best running backs in the NFL. I mean, what the Browns had on the field today, most teams would give anything to have that supporting cast, including that offensive line. Because that offensive line, even without Jack Conklin, is better than most offensive lines in the NFL. So that's a a really good offense that they put out there today. I mean, really, the the only two players missing from it were Donovan Peoples-Jones and Kareem Hunt. And those guys are kind of luxuries, okay? They're luxuries and things will get better when they're back. But the, the, the personnel out on the field, no excuses. That's playoff caliber talent, okay? So... He can't be mad about that. Getting booed when he's out there playing his tail off hurt. That would upset anybody. That would upset anybody. I've seen it before with Tim Couch and so many other quarterbacks that have come through here when they're trying so hard uh, to win a game for their football team. And yes, that's very painful. But I think it still goes a little deeper than this. I still think there are uh, systemic issues going on. And um, and I think that this sends up a red flag to me and it's going to be one of those things where they're going to have to have a heart to heart talk this week. They don't have time to wait until the bye week for the heart to heart. They have to figure out what's wrong. What's wrong with Baker right now? And maybe it's as simple as I got booed after my second pick. Maybe it's that. 
and maybe it's a two-second conversation, and they go out and try to beat the Ravens two times to win the AFC North. Um, but they need to dig in and figure figure out exactly what's going on and cut out this little cancer before they head into the two most important games of their season. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad Mary Kay said that because I, as, as Doug was going through that, I wanted to kind of let you go through. But I, I think there were – I think there's a lot of those things that I kind of look at and say, okay, yes, it's true, but – and to Mary Kay's point about, like – First of all, the Browns won the game, so that so that matters. They they won the game, mm-hmm. but I, I think sometimes we can get caught up in the team we're covering and the team we're watching every single week, and just oh my god, this guy's out and that guy's out, and they don't have this guy and and whatever else. But like, I mean, I I can go through a list of teams. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals, as we're recording this, are winning a game without Kyler Murray, uh, and they've already won a game without Kyler Murray. The Raiders are probably going to get beat by the Bengals today. And they've had much worse situations than what the Browns have had. But I bet Derek Carr is probably going to talk to the media after the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I, I can just go through team by team. Mary Kay mentioned Baltimore. You know, they figured out a way to win the game. Again, just like the Browns did today. They figured out a way to win a game without their starting quarterback. And, and they've been ravaged by injuries all season long. So, I, you know, yes, you, you'd like to have a better deep threat than Jamarcus Bradley. But at some point, you can't just sit and lean on the injuries and say, well, he didn't have his guys. And, oh, well, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just don't buy that. And frankly, like you, you just got to talk after the game. And, and I don't know how huge of a deal we have to make about that right here. I, I don't know how, how much fans care about listening to us talk about that. But, like, you got to show up and talk. That's just how it is. No, it's not, it's not the talking. As we said, it's not, it's not the talking. It's does not doing the talking, is it an indication of something that matters? Because people don't care if they talk to the media or not, even though it's against the rule, he'll pay the fine, whatever. And and again, we're just here on behalf of the fans, but I don't think we don't want to get caught up in, in that on its own. But if it's some indication of, of a frustration level, of a disconnect, of uh, where his head is at, right? That's where it matters. And by the way, again, if you're listening to this podcast and it's already come out that Baker Mayfield was in a hyperbaric chamber for nine hours after the game, trying to heal his wounded body, then that's the answer, right? It's just that it's fresh and it's unusual. And so I, I just want to go back to the thing that Mary Kay said. You, Mary Kay, you said if it's, if it's a sign of a systemic issue, mm-hmm. do you think there's a, a potential disconnect between the quarterback and the offense, between the quarterback and Kevin Stefanski, between – what he wants to do and what he's being asked to do right now. Maybe. Maybe. And, and that's why I think that, uh, that they need to get together and, and talk about that and, and figure it out and, and really deal with it this week. Because once again, they don't have time uh, to, you know, to sing Kumbaya on the bye week. I mean, they, they don't have time. They've got probably, well, their biggest game to date coming up in Baltimore on Sunday night on national television. They've got to be on the same page in the same way that Miles Garrett had to get on the same page with his defensive coordinator because, you know what? It wasn't our imagination. That was an issue, and they had to work through it. And unfortunately for them, some of this stuff is becoming public where they would prefer that it wouldn't. Baker made this a public issue right now. He didn't have to make this necessarily a public issue, but not speaking so that the fans could hear what you thought after the game. We don't care. We know the fans don't care if he talks to us or not. It's 
talking to the fans, right? We all know that. It's the fans want it here. What, what do you have to say for yourself after a game like that? And is it going to get better? So, you know, I, I just think that they have to jump all over this and they have to figure out what's up. And furthermore, why are they only scoring, right? Why are they scoring 14 points or fewer, five of their last eight games and 17 or fewer, six of their last eight games or something like that. Um, so that that's what they have to figure all of this out and they have to figure out in a, it out in a hurry. And I don't think it's a personnel issue. So, so just let me say, if I were Baker Mayfield and I was just mad about everything, I hurt. We barely won. Some of my guys aren't there. This play calling, I don't get to do what I want to do. Like, I'm not showing people what I can do. I have this freaking contract on the line, and I'm playing like crap. And yes, this is a win, but I am raging against the world right now. Partly at myself, because I bounce some throws, man. Like, I'm not, it just, everything stinks right now. If I go to the press conference that I'm required to do, I am going to say some stuff that nobody wants me to say. And when Miles said some stuff last week, everybody was like, don't say anything. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave and I'm going to settle down and I'll talk about it later, but I am not in a place to talk about this right now, even though I should be, I'm not, I'm an emotional player, right? This is the whole, this is the flag planter, right? This is, this is Baker. And I don't think, again, I just, it's a little bit what I said about miles. You got to take the whole package and people love the emotional Baker Mayfield when the emotion is good. Not all emotion is good here. I got to feel the emotions. Sometimes emotions can be bad kids. So if you are feeling the bad emotions, take a time out. He took, he might have taken a time out and that might, that's not great, but it might've been better than the alternative. Maybe. Oh, I just want to destroy you for that take right now. Can I? Oh, no, no, please do <laughs> right after this on the orange and brown talk podcast. <laughs> Back on the post game pod, and now Mary Kay Cabot will destroy me. Well, I'm sure I'm sure other people want to weigh on this too, so I won't take a long time to do this. But that just doesn't fly with me at all. No way. I mean, you can't be that upset after a victory that you can't come out and talk. We've seen, like I said, I watched Tim Couch come out after getting his butt kicked time after time after time and put on his back time and time again and have to come out and face the music. I've watched a million quarterbacks throughout all of these years come out and talk. We watch it every week in the NFL. They take their lumps. That's what quarterbacks do. That's what they're obligated to do. And uh, unless you are concussed or in, a, or, or, you know, in the hyperbaric chamber, you must come out and face the music and explain. Even if you have to say, I can't believe that I'm giving my heart and soul to this city and to this team. And I got booed. I mean, it doesn't matter that you are an emotional player. You had plenty of time to cool off. Plenty, plenty, plenty of time to cool off. We're not even allowed in the locker room right now. This is a come to the podium situation where you've got plenty of time to think about what you want to say. You get dressed, you, you know, it's not like we're watching you kick things around the locker room like we've done before. It's not like we're watching you, you know, have a, a heart to heart talk with, you know, with your with, with Jarvis Landry over there mm -hmm. in the corner first. I mean, it's like 
take all the time that you need and then come to the podium. I think it's significant. And I, I do think that, you know, he, he needed to be there. Anybody want to come to my Hello. rescue here? I guess I got yelled at. I'm going to take a time out. I'm not going to speak for the rest of the podcast because I need to figure out my emotions about <laughs> Mary Kay probably correctly destroying me on that point. <laughs> Look, we all, I, I could tell you what Baker would have said. We all know what he would have said. It's, I, I mean, I, it, it's really a long shot to think that he would have come out and just exploded, especially after a win. He would have basically said, we got the win. I didn't play well. Uh, but, you know, we're on to Baltimore. He, would, he probably would have repeated that in various forms throughout the whole thing. He would have, he would have talked about, we need to execute better. It starts with me. He would have said, uh, we need to cut down on penalties. Um, you know, it, it would have been all that, which is really basically what we've heard from him, you know, and everybody over the past, you know, six games here or so. But that's what you would have gotten. I, I find it really hard to believe that Baker is fragile enough to where not playing well and getting booed would keep him away from talking to the media after a game. That's so that, why I'm hesitant to say that that is the reason why he was not in there. Yeah. Again, we don't know if, if it's because he was getting treatment, you can delete this part of the podcast as you're listening to it. All right. Anybody else chime in? Yeah. You know, I think number one, anyone listening to this, all of us on this podcast, I think everyone has bad days at work, right? We're not all NFL quarterbacks and we're not all that high profile, but everyone has bad days at work. Everyone has things in their job they have to do that they Everybody don't hurts. like to do. Everybody hurts. <laughs> and to quote, to quote one of my favorite shows of all time, Mad Men, you know, sometimes you don't get a thank you, but that's what the money's for. Like, we all have things in our job we don't like. And I, I agree, you know, if, if, again, we don't know. We can say that until we're blue in the face. We don't know what the exact reasoning was for him not talking. But what I do know is him not talking made this a thing when it didn't have to be a thing. And sure, you know, he's going to probably get asked some questions that he didn't want to have to answer that he's answered some version of for the last few weeks now. I get why that would be frustrating and annoying, but now this is a story where there didn't need to be a story. And it's a talking point that didn't need to be a talking point going into maybe your biggest week of the season so far. So that's for me, if you know that, you know, if that's the case, then um, I think you've got to be a little bit, you know, tougher. And he's toughing out a lot of things right now, physically out there on the field, but I don't know. It's just, it's tough for me to agree with you on this one, Doug. I'm sorry. I do like to disagree with you though. I'm just getting very nervous that like he was getting his ribs stapled together. And then, yeah, I mean, he, if he was, guys, then yes, don't talk, but I get, you if know, that, that's I, the case, then don't then be, ignore this part. It of would be, you know, yeah. I, I, until we have clarification on it, I, I mean, the he, case we don't he, know. He got an x-ray Mary Kay. I think has some, he, I mean, he got an x-ray last week and came and talked to him. Exactly. Guys exactly. Get all the time, and they come talk to us. Go ahead, Mary. Kay. Yeah, I mean, in the reporting of this before we jumped on the pod, there was no incident that preceded his decision not to speak. There, it wasn't because you know. I mean, it. You know, I've been asking everybody that I can possibly ask, and it wasn't like, oh, he's in the trainer's room. Oh, he's getting a cast on his foot. No, it, it was nothing like that. He just declined to talk. And as of right now, we don't have any great insight into why, but it's not because of his injuries. So here's, here's kind of what has me worried. And it's not so much, again, okay, Baker didn't talk. I don't know how much people, I, I think some people do. I think other people don't. I don't know how much people care about the mechanics of our jobs. But it just feeds into this. I mean, I'm going back through the schedule. I'm going all the way back to the Minnesota game, which was in week four. And there's like one game 
in this stretch where I feel like I didn't come away feeling like, man, something is just off with this team. You know, Minnesota, they win this 14 to seven just game. And it's a little bit of hindsight, but still didn't feel right. Right. Then they lose this shootout to the Chargers. They, whatever happened against Arizona, I don't know what happened against Arizona, just get absolutely killed. They went ugly against Denver. They scored 10 points against Pittsburgh. They have the Cincinnati game. Everybody feels great. And then they play New England last week, get absolutely killed. And Miles Garrett is calling out his defensive coordinator. They win this week to move to six and five and be at least where they need to be based on how the season has gone after Thanksgiving. And still, it just, this just sort of adds to that whole like, just something feels off. Something does not feel right with this football team. Just and, and we're trying as hard as we can to like get a vibe of this team and get a feel for this team because we're not in a locker room every day. We're not in a locker room after games. Just everything feels off. Every week is just something, no matter the result. Outside of that Cincinnati game, just something feels off with this football team. And I think it should be concerning as we kind of put this in the big picture. This should be concerning as they go into a stretch of games, two games in three weeks with that bye week in the middle that will basically determine their season. They either shock, shock us all and beat Baltimore next Sunday night and then maybe beat them again. And then, Hey, we're talking AFC North and everything we said on this podcast doesn't matter. Or the Ravens do what the Patriots did put 40 points on the Browns. And we're sitting here thinking, all right, well now what do they do? Let's, let's start talking about the draft. So I do think, I mean, is it not that a lot of that uncertainty and that weird feeling is is because the quarterback's playing weird, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's where most of this stems from because a quarterback can fix everything, and not that it's not that everything that hasn't clicked is Baker Mayfield's fault, but he's not fixing much, right? It's sort of like you're sort of. I, I do think that Kevin Stefanski and and Kevin Stefanski, I think, needs to do better. Like he is not getting. He's so calm and mild mannered and handsome and did so well last year. Dan Lobby, you know what it's like when you're handsome, you get a free pass. Come on, man. So <laughs> well, I, I was just going to say, like, he looks like George Clooney and like, I'm not going to sit there and criticize George Clooney. George Clooney's a national <laughs> but, treasure, but I can't but, criticize George Clooney. George Clooney has made some bad movies. Not every movie is Michael Clayton. I refuse. I refuse to hear it. He plays the same character every every film. There's your criticism. Oh my god! I'm gonna go home and watch Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Where Art Thou? And just forget you guys ever said anything. I think Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield are to some degree bringing out the worst in each other right now, because I think two things are happening with Baker Mayfield. I, I actually, it's a very complicated thing, and I'm probably going to try to write this for Monday morning. I think that Kevin Stefanski is respecting Baker Mayfield too much. And I think he's treating him like a franchise quarterback when actually Baker has not exactly shown that he is that. And it's like, hey, man, he's out there toughing it out. And as long as he can be on the field, like he's our guy, he's showing heart. And at some point it's like, yeah, I get the heart thing, but he's not playing well. And on the other hand, I feel like he's trying to protect Baker to some degree. And like they turtled in the second half, man, they got up 13, nothing in the first half. And they were like, dear God, let the time on this clock run out. Can we get to the end of the game and have half a point more than the lions? And that's how you get a first half where Baker Mayfield's 11 of 18 for 124, and a second half where he's four of 11 for 52. 
And he makes that 37-yard sideline throw to Jamarcus Bradley, which is the best throw he's made in a month. And they do he does almost nothing the rest of the game. And I think they are caught in between. I think Stefanski is caught in between protecting him, but not wanting to sit him down, but kind of believing in him, but not wanting to put too much on him. And I think it's going both ways. I thought that they called a deep shot to Jamarcus Bradley on third and one, that Baker throws a deep shot into double coverage on third and one. And even if it was complete, it wouldn't have mattered because Hans got beat and held a guy. So now it's third and 11, and now he takes a sack. It's third and one. Run Nick Chubb. What are you doing? So I think Baker and Stefanski are off on both sides of it. They're aggressive when they shouldn't be. They're they're passive when they shouldn't be. In a world where Scott, when he got here, it was all about Kevin Stefanski, play action, boot, all this. He's going to bring out the best of Baker Mayfield. That is not what I'm seeing right now. This is, this is, I don't think Stefanski's helping Mayfield, and I don't think Mayfield's helping Stefanski. And this is a symbiotic relationship that there's no symbiosis right now. And the result is like a non-functional offense most of the time. And then it's like, well, let's see if we can get to the fourth quarter and hand it to Nick Chubb 15 times and eke out a win. And and there's a very thin line between, hey, let's, let's, get a lead and and lean on the run game and let Nick Chubb put it away. And, oh my gosh, please don't make our quarterback throw the ball. Uh, give it to Chubb. And I think they're on the wrong side of that right now. And I think everything is off with what Stefanski's asking Mayfield to do and what Mayfield is able to do for him. And I, and I thought we saw that all day today. Yeah, I think on uh, a podcast a couple weeks ago, we talked about the red zone and, and I threw out maybe putting in like more play action. Because Baker, even though they'd really dialed it back with him, he was still doing well. He had a really good completion percentage on play action. Last week, they did dial it up. Not so great. And today, um, there were a couple of plays that were good, but he was under pressure a lot. Uh, there was one drive, uh, I believe it was in the second half, where he was pressured the first two plays. And the third play, Stefanski decided to just move the pocket. It wasn't, uh, I don't even think it was play action. He just took the snap and everybody kind of rolled to the left, but now you have Baker Mayfield who's right-handed just rolling to his left, trying to turn his body to get a throw away. And he was, it, it was incomplete. I think he was, he was still almost under pressure on that. So he um, airmailed that throw by five yards. It wasn't close yeah. to complete. And so, yeah, the things that you expected to work with Baker Mayfield are not working as well right now. And, and play action, I think falls into that. Um, which is concerning because again, like you said, that was, that was the marriage everybody thought would really uh, be the game changer. And it was last season for, 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 uh, for a good portion of the year, especially down the stretch. But this year um, it hasn't been the case, for whatever reason they've gotten away from it. And, and Dan's right. Just something's off. And you know what, uh, what you're referencing Doug and what you're thinking about, uh, you know, I wrote a column a couple of days ago, Uh, that the decision on Baker Mayfield's future in Cleveland is a two-way street. And if anybody got a chance to to read it, it's basically kind of, you know, what you're saying, that there is, they are either calling a game for Baker Mayfield based on the fact that they think he's, you know, too banged up, too beat up to be the gunslinger, the playmaker, the guy that he is, or – there is a disconnect between 
what they think he's capable of and what he thinks he's capable of, who they think he is and who he thinks he is. Okay. And if that disconnect uh, is, if they can't meet in the middle somewhere and work through this, then there, there are going to be problems going forward. Okay. And as much as the Browns are going to have to question and must be questioning now, whether he is their quarterback of the future, he also has to be questioning if he is the Browns right quarterback going forward. If this is the right situation for him, I think that's really obvious. You think we're going to get to the end of this season and have him throwing 17 touchdown passes or whatever he's going to finish with and scoring, even if they finish really strong. I mean, you can't unsee 17 points or fewer in six out of the last eight games. Right. I mean, I guess you can completely overcome that, but there's a vibe right now that this isn't working and they have to figure it out. The Browns and Baker are at a crossroads right now. Now I would not in my stomach. Now I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, like it's real. It's real. And I don't think I, you, you can't, you can't watch it and not see it. But on, on the other hand, it's like, well, he's not, He's not Josh Allen. He's not Kyler Murray. He's not. There's a lot of things that Baker's not. There are things that he is, and there are things that he's not. And I also do kind of think like, well, if Baker Mayfield's not the right quarterback for Kevin Stefanski, like who is? Like, does he want Lamar? Does he want Russell Wilson? Does he like? I don't know. Like, because Baker's kind of like a accurate move the chains, rip throws, mo- not really super mobile, maybe mobile enough. Whatever. Like I. I would think that would fit Stefanski. Dan, are you, do you agree? Do you sense this same disconnect, Dan? Or is it just get Kareem Hunt healthy, get Jack Conklin healthy, and we'll get back to seeing the Baker Mayfield we saw in the second half of last year? I mean, I, I do think getting Kareem Hunt back is important. I, I think he's a safety valve for Baker. I think he does a lot of things for you offensively. But yeah, I mean, you have Nick Chubb. I mean, Nick Chubb is a more, Nick Chubb means more to this offense. I mean, I guess somebody could make the argument that Kareem Hunt means more, but I think Nick Chubb means more to this offense than Kareem Hunt does just overall based on what he can do in, in the explosive run game. But, you know, I I just don't know. I don't know what kind of quarterback Baker Mayfield is right now because it did work so well last year, and he did fit in this offense so well. And I think a big reason why they hired Kevin Stefanski is because the offense he wanted to run fit the things Baker does well, the play action, the boots, all of that stuff. I mean, there was enough data out there to tell us, like, this is when Baker's at his best. The thing that concerns me about Gunslinger Baker is Gunslinger Baker was basically Jameis Winston. He just turned the ball over all the time. You know, 35 interceptions in two years. You know, he threw 14 at his rookie year. Every time they played a good team, he threw three interceptions. Uh, you know, it was just – I don't know if that's the baker you want. So what Mary Kay said there, her kind of second point, I, I maybe that's kind of where we're at. And it's got me wondering, are these next two games not just the most important games in the AFC North? Are these the two games that are going to, like, are, are these the most important games in Baker Mayfield's future with the Browns? Is, I mean, are these games going to be that important? If he comes out and plays poorly and they lose two games in a row to the Ravens, it's going to be hard to not think, like, this thing is heading towards the end. Mm-hmm. So and maybe these games are bigger than just the division all of a sudden. 
So yeah, Doug, I got a little bit of a knot in my stomach too. <laughs> yeah, and now you guys listen to this for a minute. This and and you guys, I, I would like everybody, and not, I don't mean just you guys. I mean <laughs> Ashley, list, you guys and gals and everybody. We're guys um, for all intents and purposes. Um, but anyways, so Baker Mayfield last year, when we have visions of Baker Mayfield playing and excelling last year, wasn't he always on the move? Wasn't he always out on a keeper somewhere? And do we ever see that this year that much anymore? I think, and we wondered this, we wondered this in our podcast all off season. What are defenses going to do when they dig into the film? What are they going to take away from Baker Mayfield? And I think they have taken away one of his biggest strengths this season. And that's, and those are the keepers. And Scott, you probably have some statistics on how many keepers he's run this season, maybe compared to last season. Um, I, I don't know if those statistics are readily available like that, but it just seems to me that defenses have, have taken that away and that they're not adjusting to, to that very well. They haven't figured out how to overcome that. Are you talking about when Baker actually runs the ball? Or are you talking about rollouts? Rollouts, keepers. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was, well, he was, they dialed back the play action. Like I said, he, he was completing 75% of his passes on play action through weeks one through eight. Last two weeks, not counting this week, down to 44%. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's been a big change there. And it's not, well, it's hard to remember when he got what specific injury at this point, but uh, it certainly wasn't the shoulder over the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Um, you know, there was a play Baker got flushed out was when they were deep in their own territory. He got flushed out and ran to the left for like a seven yard gain out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And like right near the end of that run before he got to the line of scrimmage and Joku was kind of open, was coming mm-hmm. open a little bit of a scramble drill thing. And it's one of those things. Did, was it a bad play by Baker to not flip it to a Joku and let him get an open space? no, he got five yards or whatever on the run, but I think there's probably 12 quarterbacks in the NFL who see him and make a little throw on the run and like make a big play out of a broken play. And like, we're just, we're so far removed from that right now. Like it is, it is absolute like survival mode down to down. And it, we are so removed from like playmaking mode. We can't even remember what playmaking mode looks like. Cause we're just trying to have, have, they want the offense to be in don't make a killer mistake so we can hand the ball to Nick Chubb 10 more times mode, Ashley. And that is a tough place to be. And again, we don't want to make a podcast. Boy, oh boy, does this sound like a losing podcast? This Baker's <laughs> fault. They won. They're six and five. They have a winning record. This is like higher most, standards. Yeah. This is the most depressing podcast I think I've been a part of. And I've been a part of two losses so far. <laughs> I mean, it was funny. Dan asked like during the week, like in the pregame show, it was like, well, does it only matter if they lose? And it was like, no, they need to win. It's like, no, you were right. This Scott did make this point though. Like if win. they, if they win and it's kind of this, you know, drudged up <laughs> win that that could be just as bad. And I think as, that's being proven. <laughs> as someone who picked the Browns to go to the Super Bowl, can a team go to the Super Bowl if every win feels like a loss? Dan, you have to identify yourself as that every single week now. I feel yeah. like I think you do it on every podcast. At some and, point today or tomorrow, I am going to write 
the 1310 loss to the Lions. I'm, I'm going to write it. I mean, it, I'm going to accidentally do that because <laughs> that's what this feels like, doesn't it? When your quarterback's walking off with that look on his face and our, and our photographers who are so amazing, I got a shout out to John Koontz and, and Josh Gunter. Those guys are so good. I mean, you don't realize how good they are until you like stand out at practice and you try to get a picture and you drop your phone and, and you know, it's all muddy. And I mean, those guys are so good at what they do. So thank you guys for providing us and all of the, the readers with your amazing photos. Uh, but they captured him. They captured Mad Baker after the game. And, uh, and I, it's very telling. A picture tells a thousand words, right? And, um, and he was mad. He was mad about something. We don't know what it is. Just like we had to wait until all the way until Friday to figure out, hey, Miles, were you really calling out your defensive coordinator? <laughs> um, so, you know, maybe Baker will put something out on social media about what, you know, what this was all about. Uh, or maybe we'll just have to wait until Wednesday. But this, you know, this is this is significant. And um, and we've been saying for many, many weeks that the passing game is broken. There's no denying it. The passing game is broken. Why is it broken? We don't really know. We don't really know exactly why it's broken. Is it broken because Baker Mayfield's hurt? Is it broken because Baker Mayfield's ineffective? Is it broken because defenses have taken away what he does best? Is it broken because the play calling isn't what he needs? Is it all of the above? We don't know. It's kind of crazy looking at the numbers from the last six weeks, just like the amount of points they've scored. They've scored more than 17 points once over the last six weeks against the Bengals. You have 14, 17, 10, 41, 7, and 13 today. Like that right there is spells trouble for me. And again, like you're just saying, we don't, we don't know exactly what's causing all of this. And we're probably never going to know. It would require some people to get candid in a way that maybe no one who has ever been a professional athlete who has to speak to the media has done before. But I mean, it's, it's not our problem to solve. It's theirs. And it's, I do not envy them in these next, you know, couple of weeks here, few weeks coming up with those two Ravens games and the bye. I mean, they're going to have to really dig into some stuff over the bye. And I think looking at a lot of this for me, you know, we talk about Baker's injuries. And like I said, I think that's a part of it with maybe some of these things that aren't working. It doesn't excuse all of it. And the bigger issue for me is this lack of counter adjustments and it needs to come from him. It needs to come from Kevin Stefanski. Um, and it might be a way they haven't been challenged yet up until this point, but teams have figured out what they do well. And they now have to, you know, that's, part of being in the NFL. You have to figure out a way to counter how teams are countering you. And on we go. That's what the good teams do. All right. We'll take last quick break here on, on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and come back with a couple things we want to hit that are not Baker Mayfield related next after this. Okay. I think I'm going to invoke a name here. I think Kevin Stefanski is on the verge of feeling like this season is happening to him. And that was always my biggest criticism with Hugh Jackson that, that that if I felt like Hugh was acting like he was he couldn't control anything, it's like well you're the head coach and I know you can't control everything, but a season a thing a thing a season doesn't happen to you when you're the head coach. There is a point with Stefanski where it's like he's so calm, he's supposed to be this offensive guy. Whatever six out of eight weeks they haven't scored twenty points. We said they have injuries, but we also said they still have a lot of good players. 
do something. Like, what would Mike Tomlin do? What would John Harbaugh do? Do something. Don't let this happen to you. And it's easy to criticize the calm guy when stuff's going awry and you want somebody to scream and yell and pound the table. And and, and I, I don't mean to do that. But, Dan, take control of this season. Everybody has injuries. We just said this podcast. Everybody has injuries. Shake this team out of this. Find a solution. Get your quarterback back on track. Be the head coach. You figured it out in the pandemic. It was a global pandemic. And everybody said, what a great job you did. This is just football, man. It's time for Kevin Stefanski to figure this out and get this team to play better. Is that fair? Yes. To an extent, yes. I thought today was a a head-scratcher in a lot of ways from Kevin. The way he approached this game, the way he asked Baker to throw the ball a lot. Um, there were moments where I'm like, what exactly were they thinking here? I mean, they had that weird third and one play where they handed the ball off to Demetric Felton and nothing I've seen from Demetric Felton has shown me that he should be running the ball in that situation. When you yeah. have Nick Chubb and Dearness Johnson to, to try and pick that up. Um, you know, I, I hate to oversimplify it because look, these guys are head coaches. They have forgotten more football than I'll ever know. At the same time, I think we're all coming into this game thinking, man, let's just have Nick Chubb run the ball 40 times. Now that's an exaggeration, but I think with this line and these running backs, you could have just controlled this game and, and figured out a way to, to beat this line, to beat a winless Lions team. This was a little bit of a confusing game in some ways from Kevin Stefanski. I do still wonder, and, and if this is one of those things that's going to come out after the season and, and maybe if this whole Baker Mayfield thing does end this offseason if we're going to find out that he just did not trust Baker to, to run this offense the way he wanted it to run. Um, but, but today was a little bit of a confusing day for, from Kevin Stefanski. And listen, I, you know, nobody should listen to this and think that I'm calling for like Stef- anything extreme or anything. I mean, I still think Kevin Stefanski is the guy, the right guy for this job for a long time. But today was a day where I came away thinking, I'm not exactly sure what they were trying to do in this weather with your quarterback banged up against a winless team with the Ravens coming up. I just wasn't quite sure what they were trying to do on offense. I know real quick, real yeah. quick again, for the record, the Browns won today. Which, which, we which team won? That. The Browns won. The, uh, I, I like Scott Pasco was like, I think we should flush this game and move on to Baltimore. And then we've done an hour of like, Oh my God, it's falling <laughs> apart. It's the worst loss in NFL history. Um, <laughs> speaking of the worst loss, in, uh, the worst one in NFL history, Ashley penalties. What is up? I made a joke. LeVar Arrington, who was the color commentator with Gus Johnson on the TV today, acted like every penalty on both teams was the worst thing that any player in the history of football had ever done before. I cannot believe that guy got pass interference, kick him out of the league. And it was like, dude, people get penalties sometimes. But then there was a point where it was like, actually, this is too many. Like, what, what, how, how do we view that, especially through a coaching lens, Ashley, that they, they are getting penalized a lot, at least today. They are, but it's a lot kind of recently, especially, right? They had 70 penalties as a team coming into today. They were tied for the third most in the league. Not good. And, you know, I think you hear these guys talk about it. The biggest thing is the pre-snap penalties because that's discipline. That's 
That's nothing other than discipline, right? The play is not ongoing. You're not caught up in in trench warfare, as Miles Garrett said today. That's just discipline. And this is now the second time in three weeks that they have had 10 penalties that cost them more than 80 yards. They're addressing this in practice. They're, they're doing different things. They're, you know, starting periods over if they have a penalty. We heard Joel Betonio talk about that this week. And I asked Kevin Savansky after the game, like, obviously it's frustrating, but if, if you're doing all this stuff, why is it still happening? And of course, you know, we talk about it's very calm, cool, collected. I'm sure he needs to look at the tape, but there's not an obvious answer. And that's concerning when you're doing all these different things to try and address it. And these penalties that are about discipline and focus more than anything are still popping up at this rate against a defense that you, you know, and a team in general that you shouldn't have to, I guess, be, be worried about that sort of thing. You should be able to beat the Lions more easily than this and not get penalties doing it. Scott Pasco. Wyatt Teller had a couple penalties, by the way, Scott. I'm not holding you <laughs> personally responsible. Hit at least three. <laughs> Uh, the defense. I also would like to apologize for inferring on the pregame podcast that Tim Boyle might be better than Jared Goff. I apologize to Jared Goff. I don't know what that was, but Dan will tell you, I did make fun of you for that as Dan and I were walking together to the postgame press conference. Oh yeah. Doug, you took, you took a big stray when Ashley and I were walking down. So we're heading to the unprompted. I brought you up. I said, didn't Doug say that Jared Goff might not be the Lions' best quarterback? And here we are. I don't know who Tim Boyle is. I was looking up train spotting today because Danny Boyle directed that. I was trying to figure out if they were related. I don't know who that was. I just, my opinion of Jared Goff was so low. I thought, oh, this third stringer off the street, he might be better. He was not. So what do we make of the defense, Scott? They, They held Detroit to 10. They also, like, let DeAndre Swift run right through the middle of the defense on like a John Johnson, the third wound up in a spot on the field, not participating in the play as DeAndre Swift ran past him. Good defensive effort or no. I think it was a good defensive effort. I think the running rushing total is kind of a concern because now we're starting to see that repeated. Um, and even if you take away that 57 yard uh, run by Swift, he still averaged over six yards per carry. Um, so yeah, that's a concern, but I don't, I never watched this game and felt like the, the Lions' offense was threatening at all. Uh, I just didn't, I knew that if they had to pass, that was probably going to work out well for the Browns. They just, I, I kept getting the feeling that because the offense wasn't scoring for the Browns that at some point the Lions were just going to break something and make this a close game. And they ended up doing that. But again, it's still, I mean, it's 10 points. It's, just a team that just really had no, I, I don't think they scared anybody. So I think the Browns defense did what it had to do. The penalties obviously played a big part in, in what we saw today. And by the way, that what they're doing about the penalties, like the next step seems to be public shaming because whenever a guy got a penalty today, he instantly ran off the field. It happened twice. Like McDowell did it first. And I think, I don't know who the second one Togi was. I, Tommy Togi, Togi I did it. But then when it got to Miles Garrett, he did not come off the field because he's number one, he's Miles Garrett. Number two, it was, it was third and one. And you don't, you know, you're not taking Miles Garrett off the field on third and one. But uh, that seems to be the next step in all this. I, I tweeted that it felt like I was watching a high school basketball game, which I, I covered a lot of high school basketball games in another life. And uh, you get those coaches that a kid 
you know, commits a penalty and boom, he's coming over to the bench right away. And it's just, yeah. So, so we'll see if public shaming works, but I don't, I, other than the rushing, I, I mean, I'm fine with the defense. Today. They got two takeaways. You know, why would Dan Campbell only run DeAndre Swift four times in the first? Weren't you guys wondering, like, where's DeAndre Swift in the first half of this game? Like, what the heck was that? The Browns are so lucky today that Dan Campbell, number one, did not call a good football game. I don't know what he was doing with that in the first half. And that Tim Boyle was the quarterback. And that the officials were calling pass interference mm. on the Lions so tightly. If not, I mean, if not for some of those, th- I think the Browns were very lucky to escape with the victory. Very lucky. Re your um, DeAndre Swift question, Mary Kay, I do still, my Twitter timeline still has a lot of Michigan media members and Michigan fans due to my past life covering the University of Michigan. And it seems like this has been a thing they've been questioning all season. Why aren't we using that guy more? So they, I, they can try to answer that. We have enough tough questions of our own, I guess. Sometimes they're, just, they're lucky. Yeah, they're just they lucky. are. They Browns are, are lucky. Mm-hmm. This just plays into the theme of like, the Browns won. They gave up 10 points. Just everything is weird. The Browns won. We're talking about it like a loss. They gave up 10 points. We're sitting here wondering if this defense is any good. Just everything is weird. But I do. I'm very worried. Assuming Lamar Jackson gets over whatever this mystery virus is that kept him out of this game. You know, look, Greg Roman is like the king of not adjusting. We saw that against the Dolphins a couple of Thursday nights ago. But I, I was worried after they played the Patriots that Josh McDaniels kind of put on tape how to beat this defense. And the Lions, I mean, Miles Garrett said today the Lions were trying to do some of those things, running screens at him, um, doing some of the things the Patriots did. But the problem is they're the Lions. I'm a little worried about what happens when Lamar Jackson gets in space and it's John Johnson and Grant Delpit and Ronnie Harrison standing between him and the end zone. I'm a little concerned about stuff like that, how they're going to handle those tight ends. It, it just concerns me. Um, that this defense, even in the day when they gave up 10 points and 77 passing yards, I just, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous about what the Ravens might do, but I don't know. Maybe Greg Roman is going to watch all of this and say, yeah, I don't want to do that stuff. And he'll run some completely mind boggling nonsense offense that the Browns can stop. He Remember is, the Ravens. Oh, go ahead, Ashley. I was just going to say he's another John Carroll alum offensive coordinator. So that could be a random pattern that we have <laughs> that we have forming here since Josh McDaniels is as well. Um, I don't know. Those guys, you know, they don't like talk or anything, but they do watch what one another are doing. I know that. I mean, I've talked to Greg Roman before when I've written stories on these John Carroll alums. They aren't like necessarily friends and guys who talk every week, but they do pay attention to one another, I think, in a special way that they maybe aren't doing for every other team that isn't necessarily on their schedule. And and JOK got an ankle injury. He did something to that ankle again today. And he's sort of the guy you were hoping to see go against Lamar next week. So we'll we'll have to keep an eye on that. Also very lucky that Dan Campbell kicked that field goal. Insane. Fourth and one for a winless team. You kick that field goal. Are you playing for another tie? Are you trying to tie again? We'll kick a field goal, then have Tim Boyle march us 50 yards again so we can kick another field goal, so we can go to overtime. I'm insane. Fourth and one. Insane. Let's wrap it up. Third and one draw play. Fall forward, Tim. You got this. Unbelievable. Mary Kay, what matters here, 
and and why you can't exactly flush it is like they won, but if they play like this, how many more will they win? Will this kind of effort beat Baltimore? Will this kind of effort beat Green Bay and Vegas and everything else? That's what matters. They have to play better. And we've been saying that for a couple of weeks and it hasn't really happened. As we get ready to head into a very important week of prep for the Browns against Baltimore, Sunday night game next week in Baltimore, what is your level of belief that the Browns can play substantially better? We have this to compare it against. How much better can they be next Sunday? Well, I think it must be remembered that the Baltimore Ravens have the 32nd ranked pass defense. Ding, ding, ding. Ring the bell. Mary Kay got to that point <laughs> for the 19th consecutive podcast. So, if, but if, I mean, the Browns, they've got, they're going to have to get off the, they're going to have to get the Ravens off the field. They got to get Lamar and Mark and those guys off the field. Okay. And if they can get themselves on the field, then I think there might be some opportunities to, snap out of this a little bit, especially if Donovan Peoples-Jones and Kareem Hunt are back. I don't know if Kareem will be back for this game, but there is a chance he will be. There's at least a chance. If those two guys are back and the Browns can get on to the field, there will be chances. They don't have Marcus Peters. They don't have their starting safety. They aren't what they used to be. So all is not lost. And as Scott has reminded us this whole entire podcast, the Browns just won this game. And they're right in the thick of it. This is this is the karma the Browns got, though. They won this game, but they maybe shouldn't have. So the karma they got is every team in the AFC North is going to win. We're recording this before the Steelers play the Chargers. But so far, the Ravens somehow won, and, and the Bengals, I think, just won. But the, I mean, the AFC in general continues to be a muddled mess where mm-hmm. anybody can lose to anybody. So that continues to work in the Browns' favor as they're in this wild card race, that that seven spot is going to be people stumbling into that spot. There's not going to be people grabbing that, I think, and running away with it. All right. You know, we'll be podcasting all of the week. It's going to be a lot to talk about. It will be interesting to see how Baker Mayfield talks about this, how Kevin Stefanski talks about this. Of course, you can hear it on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. You can read it at cleveland.com slash browns. You can get it in text if you're a Browns insider. Go to cleveland.com slash Browns and click on the blue banner to sign up for that. Man, info flying fast and furious. They're still in it. Six and five, man. How many years would you kill for the Browns to be six and five? So, again, Scott Patsko, it's flushed, man. We just needed an hour and 15 minutes to flush it. We had to flush it like three or four times to get it to all go down. But it's gone. They're six and five. Ravens by Ravens coming up for Ashley Bastock, Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Lobby, and Scott Patsko. I'm Doug Maurice. Thanks for listening to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast.